Every central bank governor in the world has had a tough 2022, a tough three years in fact. But imagine being governor of the National Bank of Georgia. Not only do you have to deal with the same things everyone else does, from a global pandemic to inflation to the threat of worldwide recession and an enduring supply chain crisis, you also have to deal with war on your border, a war prosecuted by your neighbour with a track record of annexing your own territory. This is the reality of Koba Gvenatadze, Governor of the National Bank of Georgia. This um, past couple of years have been very turbulent for everyone. And, uh, and since the end of 2019 and uh, early 2020, we have been adjusting to new norms uh, of living due to COVID-19 pandemic. And uh, environment became even more difficult after uh, Russia's uh, um, uh, unprovo unprovoked invasion of Ukraine and full-scale war. Um, uh, and as you mentioned, uh, Georgia has been um, invaded by its neighbor and currently 20% of country is occupied uh, by Russia. And yet something very strange has happened. The IMF was in Tbilisi in November to review Georgia's economic reform program and delivered a glowing report on November the 7th in which it predicted 10% economic growth for Georgia in 2022, roughly in line with 10.5% expected inflation. Part of the reason is hard work by Georgia's central bank and government on financial reform. But there's another deeply unexpected spur, the war. James John, leading the IMF team in Tbilisi, lays it out clearly. In a November 7 statement, he says, Adverse spillovers from the war in Ukraine thus far have generally been less impactful than expected earlier. Buoyant tourism revenues, a surge in immigration and financial inflows triggered by the war, and a rise in transit trade through Georgia come on the heels of a robust recovery from the pandemic and have lifted growth and fiscal revenues, strengthened the current account balance and the lorry, and supported accumulation of foreign currency reserves. That surge in immigration he refers to is Russians leaving Russia to avoid the war. There was a um, inflows of migrants uh, in Georgia in two waves, uh, one uh, part after the war started and the second part um, when mobilization was uh, announced in Russia. There's a certain poetic justice to this, though who knows how long it will last. At least 112,000 Russians are known to have entered Georgia since the invasion began, a significant number for a country with a 3.7 million population. More significantly, though, these included large numbers of skilled working-age men, thought to include tens of thousands of tech workers. And they brought money with them, too. More than $10 billion were transferred from Russia to Georgia between April and September. These are not poor refugees unable to contribute to the society in which they arrive. They are highly educated, productive workers who drive a consumption story. That has further knock-on effects. Most developing countries have experienced capital flight and have had to burn through their own reserves in order to protect their currencies. Not so Georgia. These inflows of foreign currencies have instead bolstered reserves, and the currency has outperformed most peers. Aside from a brief shock in late February, the Georgian Larry has steadily gained strength over the last 12 months against the US dollar, almost unique among emerging market currencies, and it has soared against relevant trading partner currencies such as the euro, renminbi, and Turkish lira. There was also inflows of considerable amount of uh, foreign exchange, 
in terms of remittances and in some cases as a capital uh, inflow to Georgia uh, from Russia. Uh, and uh, um, some people stayed uh, in Georgia. They um, have uh, contributed to increased demand. Um, at the same time, they contributed to higher growth and at the same time to higher inflation, or if we can say in another way, inflation could have softened uh, more, if not this um, uh, higher demand. Uh, but at the same time, uh, these inflows of foreign exchange, together with a uh, very strong recovery of uh, tourism, contributed to uh, appreciation of Georgian currency, and it then by itself uh, limited um, uh, imported inflation uh, in Georgia. All of this stands sharply at odds with what most of the world was expecting earlier in the year. The European Bank for Reconstruction and Development, for example, said in March that it expected the invasion of Ukraine to be damaging to the Georgian economy. The World Bank said the following month the GDP growth would probably end the year at 2.5%. It's probably going to be four times that now. It's pleasing to think that Georgia's success is an unintended side effect of Russian aggression, the more so since Russia still occupies South Ossetia and Abkhazia and has done so since 2008. But that would be to do the central bank a disservice. Georgia's relative prosperity also owes a lot to decisions and convictions over a number of years. As a result of financial stability policy implemented by the National Bank of Georgia, the financial sector has gone through this difficult period of time quite successfully. You remember that especially after the start of pandemic, uh, it was uncertainty was very high because nobody knew when the pandemic would uh, end, and that is why all the uh, uh, efforts we have been taking, we did not know how long we would need them or how long uh, economies would stay closed and uh, how long uh, problems for companies um, uh, would last. Uh, but uh, our approach has been always to um, fix a roof while the sun is shining, and which means that uh, we did a lot of things uh, before pandemic. In the pre-crisis period, we imposed additional capital and uh, for banks and liquidity requirements. We adopted responsive lending regulation. We implemented macroprudential measures to decrease loan dollarization, and all these efforts, whichever, whatever we made, and they were pretty much in line with in compliance with Basel III framework contributed to the robust asset quality and the accumulation of solid capital and liquidity buffers uh, in our system. This was not a particularly easy sell at the time. Even though I have to say that these uh, measures we have been implementing, they were not popular by the time we were implementing. And from time to time, we have to defend them quite, quite, quite strongly, I have to say. But at the same time, National Bank of Georgia is independent and we have a power to do that and uh, we, we implemented those. Um, and uh, also significantly affected by COVID-19, um, banking sector remained robust and uh, it was a major um, uh, locomotive or driver of uh, economic re recovery. And as peak of the pandemic, it, of course, is, is, is most likely uh, behind uh, and the uh, asset quality continues to improve. Uh, banks have closed 2020 with solid profits. 
um, and uh, improved financial uh, indicators um, enabled the commercial banks to recover buffers, which we have given them before. And uh, even uh, based on our stress testing, uh, even in the severe case of uh, scenarios, they will be able to withstand this difficult period of time. As to the broader economy, like other nations, Georgia's was boosted by government support. But there has also been a productive relationship with the IMF. Georgia had had an extended fund facility with the IMF since three years before the pandemic. It reached its eighth review in April 2021. And when war broke out, the country sought a new precautionary facility, a 280 million US dollar standby arrangement which was formally approved in June 2022. From the IMF's perspective, this facility was to help Georgia continue to do what it was already doing, entrenching macroeconomic stability, building resilience and pushing for medium-term growth. From Georgia's, they had already learned from past experience how useful the presence of a facility, even if not required, is to have available. We had a IMF-supported program, uh, extended fund facility, which um, was three-year program, but we extended it one more year just before pandemic started, without knowing it's a pandemic. I mean, there was a pandemic, and as I mentioned, it helped us a lot to mobilize uh, uh, resources. And th- that's a good thing about having the fund program, because if the fund is, the program goes on and there are uh, needs uh, uh, to have additional financing, this is uh, very, very handy. And based, based on this very good experience, we economic team de- decided to continue that way and to have a, um, a program because, um, I mean, o- also very positive developments which happened in the economy was that in 2017, uh, rating agencies t- started to upgrade Georgia again for the first time since uh, 2012. Okay, so this this program was giving a very positive signals in terms of macro stability and macro policies, right? So then we decided to have a program again, which um, uh, we started um, in um, June uh, of this year, uh, and it is a standby arrangement for Georgia, which um, provides support to the um, authorities' economic economic policies, and it's a three-year program. It's a precautionary in nature, I mean, the money is allocated for Georgia, about like 300 million US dollars for these three years, but this will be used only in case we need to use it. Kvenetadze believes that inflation peaked at 13.9% and has now been on a downward trend for three months. The bank projects it will reach the 3% long-term inflation target around the third quarter of next year. An important element in this, he says, is that we stayed committed to floating exchange rate and exchange rate flexibility, which we think that it serves uh, as a very good shock absorber. Um, and, um, uh, you know, whenever there was possibility. So, so the exchange rate in Georgia moves in line with fundamentals. And, and this is how it uh, exchange rate uh, plays and fulfills its role as an automatic stabilizer, stabilizer for, the, for the economy. And uh, for example, in line of uh, strong external inflows, as I mentioned, and exports of goods, remittances, and tourist revenues, um, domestic currency gradually appreciated against most of our trading partners. For example, I mean, in August 2022, the nominal effective exchange rate and real effective exchange rate appreciated by 
uh, 32% and 20% respectively. And uh, we also use this good period of time to strengthen our reserves. Okay, because we sold quite a lot of reserves back in 2020 when it was a very difficult time when tourism just stopped in one day after pandemic and we lost about like 3 billion US dollars in foreign exchange inflows, which is very important. It, it was about like 18% of GDP, which is very important for, uh, for developing country. Uh, and uh, so, but whenever good time came, we started to, uh, to, to buy reserves and uh, um, we replenished uh, quite a lot of reserves. Uh, in 2022, we continued interventions to mitigate short-term disorderly market conditions of the foreign exchange market. And um, uh, this also contributes uh, to make sure that the risks which may arise in the future will be also taken care of with our appropriate level of reserves. All of this is helpful, but there's also a message being sent here, and glowing words from the IMF help to transmit it. This is our signal to international communities. This is our signal to investors who are interested in Georgia, uh, that we are conducting right macro policies. Uh, so there might be shocks from time to time, but right macro policies are uh, the best uh, uh, insurance uh, against this uh, shocks that economy will, will go back, will be resilient, and will go back to where uh, to, to the very good pass. Um, and uh, I also very much hope that rating agencies will also take into account uh, this and uh, will be able to achieve investment grade. We are just two notches away from a lower lowest investment grade, but uh, I'm sure that the country will be you know, by preserving macro stability, a country will implementing reforms will be able to um, achieve this goal. There is another goal in the background too, European Union membership. In 2016, Georgia signed an association agreement with the EU. This year, a formal application for membership was submitted and the European Commission has established its eligibility to become a member. These days, of course, there is a certain trepidation in a Russia-bordering country declaring affiliation with the EU. But Kvinatadze is unequivocal. For Georgia, for a nation as a country, uh, EU is our aspiration and EU where we think that we belong and I'm sure we will be there. Now, Russia has tended to react quite badly to neighbouring states appearing to gravitate towards the West. Um, you know, given your experience as a country and given what you're seeing now in Ukraine, uh, is there reason for concern from Georgia's point of view in pursuing this path? Um, well, I mean, Georgia uh, has never hidden its aspiration towards Europe. Uh, and this is what the nation wants. And uh, this is uh, what in our constitution, uh, this is what we are working for. So, I mean, the threat, uh, it was there before, it is here, maybe it will be in the future. But I think very important thing is that now international community is aware of this uh, threat, of this, uh, of this uh, danger. And uh, I very much hope that with the help of international community, Georgia will be able to uh, sort of strengthen its position uh, towards um, EU. So I think that uh, whatever matters, we need to continue to be very determined and um, uh, international community will be able to support us. 
Georgia has adopted all sanctions against Russia in tandem with the US, EU and UK. That's a big step for a country like Georgia to take, given the scale of trade relations with Russia, but Georgia clearly saw it as essential to signal to the world where its allegiances lie. Not only did it instruct all entities under its supervision to observe sanctions, it set up a dedicated division to ensure that observance. So this was really important for us to make sure uh, that we, we made this step. And uh, I think that this will even strengthen Georgians' positioning of the country, which uh, makes sure uh, that uh, down the road, our policies, our businesses will be protected uh, from sanctions. So we are doing our best in this direction. This has been a Euromini podcast written by Chris Wright, with editing by Stefan Inglis.